The 87th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. Says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews. Off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Getting you ready for tomorrow night's matchup up in Clemson, South Carolina, as Carolina is on the road to take on the Tigers. And an important ACC matchup for Carolina as they try to rebound from Saturday's disappointing loss at home to Duke. We're going to update you on some current NCAA tournament projections for Carolina. We're going to preview the Tigers, update you on some stats regarding the Tar Heels, and give our keys to the game later in the show. But before we do any of that, we start every preview edition of the podcast as we always do with our pod thought of the day. We go to former head coach and the guy who invented the thought of the day for Carolina basketball. That, of course, is Dean Smith. And coming off of Saturday's disappointing loss and something we talked about a lot in that postgame edition of the show was leadership. And Dean Smith once said, a leader's job is to, is to, to develop committed followers. Bad leaders destroy their followers' sense of commitment. And you know, it's a tough thing to, to say and tough thing to admit, but, but Carolina sits here February 7th, and they don't have a leader on their team. They don't have a leader on the court. They don't have a leader on the bench. They don't have a leader off the court, and that's a big reason why they find themselves, yes, with 16 wins, but they've got seven losses. Yes, they've got eight wins in the ACC, but they've got four losses, three of which have come by blowout variety and they haven't accomplished very much I don't think I could ever remember watching a team win 16 games and say three months later I haven't learned a whole lot about who they are in a positive way and and that's where they are because this team lacks leadership on both ends of the court uh, because they don't have a natural leader on their team and that's a big reason why this season has been the last two seasons have been up and down because there hasn't been a leader on the court for the Tar Heels. Speaking of Dean Smith, today marks seven years since he passed away. Can't believe that, man. Um, these seven years have they flown by. Because I can still remember waking up that Sunday morning to Sports Center and seeing that news, and that was an emotional day, and it was an emotional time for Carolina dealing with the loss of him. And you know, he was Roy Williams's mentor. Now, of course, Roy Williams is off enjoying retirement, like 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 he wanted to once he retired. And it's just been it's just been a fast seven years. Um, and we, we miss him every day. I think everyone can echo that sentiment and statement and say that we, we miss Coach. and But we know he's in a better place. But 
seven years since since Dean Smith passed away. Let's talk about Carolina and the NCAA tournament. Usually we're talking about, is Carolina going to be a one seed or a two seed? And are they going to be in the east region, the, the west region, whatever region they're going to get seeded in? Last year, we were talking this time of year, okay, are they in the field or are they not in the field? And we monitored that. And we're back in the same boat again once this year as Carolina, as I mentioned, 16-7, and 8-4 and four in the league. You would think most years, oh, you're comfortably at least in the field. Not the case. Carolina has no quad one victories, and all seven of their defeats have come against quad one opponents, and five of the seven have come by blowout variety uh, in games where they haven't even looked competitive at times. And so I'm going to walk you through the three, the three most updated sites with, with, with projections for the NCAA tournament regarding Carolina. We'll start with the guy that does it as well as anybody in the sport. That's Joe Lenardi over at ESPN. He updated his as of yesterday morning. He put out a tweet. It's not updated as of, of, of ESPN.com, but he did send out one on his personal Twitter. Carolina's one of the last four teams in the tournament. That's where he has them. Um, they had moved up to the the 10th to, to, to the 10th line as of Thursday of last week after a road win at Louisville and some other factors allowed them to move up. But following Carolina's disappointing loss to Duke and the way that they got beat, now they're back kind of playing for their in-state tournament lives. And, and that's why we added so much importance to Carolina winning that game. Not only was it Coach K's final time in the Smith Center, not only was it Hubert Davis's first time coaching in the rivalry, but a win over Duke – barring a la- uh, you know some sort of late season collapse would have all but have secured you a spot in the NCAA tournament field and now the guy who accurately projects the field as much as anybody who does this has used one of the last four teams which basically means moving forward and it starts with tomorrow night's game at Clemson you can't afford a bad loss one 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 bad loss and you put yourself in a position where you've got to go to the ACC tournament and win if we're going to be honest they're probably going to be playing on Wednesday you got to win four games in four days maybe you luck in and you get three games in three days but that's the position that you've put yourself in CBS Sports of course Jerry Palm does does their stuff not in the field at all I don't even know if they entered the game in the field. I know that he was one of the ones that had him on on the outside. I know um, Mike DeCorsi of Fox, he, I believe, had them on the outside as well, um, or definitely does by now. Um, And I'm not sure if the field of 68 has released theirs. Theirs may also be behind a paywall. But, yeah, it's – it's not fun. I'll tell you. I love I love the bracketology stuff and everything like that. I, I, I like seeing Carolina in now that top 16 that they reveal, mm-hmm. the top four seeds, and worrying about the other teams that are on the bubble for which one of these teams am I going to get excited about in my bracket. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not fun. And you're right. The margin for error is now thin. And we talked about that. We both said that when it – came to this game against Duke. And I think, I mean, look, you lost the game, and I know that Duke's a good team. I feel like you really, I feel like that was a blow to your resume the other night. Yep. The fact that you got beat as badly as you did. If you would have just lost, I mean, it, it, let, let's say that this was like a five-point loss, a hard-fought game in the 
late 70s that we're used to seeing from these two teams. Is Carolina still in the last four buys? I'd probably think so from Lenardi's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, yeah, and, and look, you may in a normal year in the ACC, especially with how Carolina's schedule usually stacks up, you would say, okay, well, you've got chances to go and get wins on the back end of your schedule that are going to matter. But this year, I mean, who, who is that team that you're looking at? I, I told you there are two games outside of the Duke game that I think have any sort of significant meaning to your tournament resume. And that's Florida State at home and at Virginia Tech. Those are the only games where you can win those and probably push yourself at least into the last four buys. But even still, I don't know how much... I don't think that you are going to be off of the last four buys Mm -hmm. when you get to Duke. I I don't think anything on this schedule makes that possible unless Syracuse starting to kind of get it together. It's February, so it makes sense. This is the time they start to usually turn the corner. But, yeah, it's about avoiding the bad losses. I mean, there are some out there. Pittsburgh would be just horrendous. Um, At Clemson on Tuesday night would be bad. Louisville, NC State. I mean, these are games that you need to avoid the bad losses because now, I mean, they're going to be looking for – any excuse to take you out of the tournament field. And and at this point, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't even know how Lenardi has him in the field. You don't have a quad one win. Is there anybody on the bubble that is like that? Mainly, this is the thing. Not only do you not have a quad one win, you have seven quad one losses. That's the biggest problem for me. Like even if you had even if you had one of those, yep. you would be feeling so much better about where it's at. And, and I think the game you're gonna look back to the most is gonna be that game at Notre Dame. Yep. That was your chance and you missed out on that one. The other publication that I, I, I wrote down could really give you a variety of where Carolina is according to a lot of different places, was Stadium. Um, and they mm-hmm. have Carolina in the first four. So they have them in the tournament, but they, they have them slated in Dayton. So right now Carolina's all over the place, from in the field, out of the field, to Dayton. Um, we were joking about it with our with our boss, Colin Hogger, that, well, if they make the first four, it's every year but one year a team has least made the Sweet 16 from it. Last year, of course, UCLA made that run from the first four to the final four. If they get in, I'm going to be inspired. My bracket will have them in the Sweet 16 if they are in Dayton. Um, and, and Let's so just say that. that. That's the thing is that they can't afford any more hiccups. And they've done it to themselves because, as you mentioned, you've got you've had seven opportunities to have a quad one win on your resume, and you haven't gotten one. And you've looked uncompetitive in five of those seven losses. There's been five games where you literally got ran out of the gym that you were playing in because you you didn't have a you didn't have a pulse, and that's that's a really frustrating thing for a team that when they've played to their level of talent when they were fully healthy and stuff like that, they were running ACC teams out of their own gym. Well, the other thing is, is you talk about one of those two out of the seven losses 
that they were competitive in was one of the best teams in the country, a team that we could see winning a national championship with the way they're built this year in Purdue. That was the thing that just mystified me is how you went from that game, even in the loss, feeling like, well, we saw some pretty good things. That's a really good Purdue team. That we, we know that this team is going to be competitive the rest of the season. And since then, since that point, five out of your six losses have been by, have they been by 20 or more points? Everyone, 17 or more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's just mind blowing how bad these losses are. I, I I don't. Well, I mean, I mentioned in the post game after the loss to Duke, they've had four losses of twenty points or more. That's only the third time in the history of the ACC that Carolina's had four regular season losses, not just to ACC opponents, but four losses in a season. Yeah, and one of them, one of them was the o one o two season where they had eight, and the and, other one was fifty four fifty five. Right, but but the reason I bring that that stat up is look, you still got games to go. Fifty three fifty four. Yeah, that was in their entire season. Now again, shorter schedule, so take it for what you may. But n- you never want to be drawing comparisons to that o one o two team, and that's where. When you say, hey, you got to give Hubert time, I understand that. And I've been preaching that for a while here on the podcast. But it's like the other night. But see, that's the thing. It's like I said the other night. That game was what really started to scare me a lot. I never thought in that game you would see that effort. Or lack thereof. I mean that, and I don't get it. He said in the post game that he saw he saw the effort in this one. I mean, look, what, were there guys that were playing with effort? Yes, I, I thought Brady Manick on the offensive end, and I'm going to be honest. I think it's also on the defensive end. I think here here's the deal. Prepare yourselves. Make sure you're sitting down for this. I think Brady Manick might not be a good defender. Guys, I just want to throw that out there. Leaky Black had a good night on the defensive end of the floor. He kind of came back to earth offensively. But, I mean, what were you expecting? Were you expecting this guy to all of a sudden become a guy that was going to give you 10-12 every night? I mean, come on. He was going to eventually come back. And and I, I thought even the chances that he had on the offensive end, I mean, he had a strong drive to the basket where – they probably should have called a foul that he finished through. Um, so, I mean, I thought those two guys played relatively well. Uh, Armando Baycott, I mean, he probably could have played well if he would have still been in the game early on. But, you know, that that coach that, that coaching move, that, there's stuff like that that really starts to scare you a little bit. And then I said it as well when we were recapping it. The other thing that scared me a lot is that I saw more energy. I saw, you know, just just more activity on the sideline from Hubert Davis in the NC State game than I saw in this game. I understand that you got punched in the mouth early on, but you, I, I, I would have liked to see him be a little more energetic on the sidelines. Maybe that's just me getting used to his coaching style. That I can accept. But I think at this point, there is a right to be 
a little concerned. Does that mean that you should be heading to Cincinnati and helping Wes Miller pack his bags or whoever else pack their bags if you're eyeing somebody else up? Not yet. But there's there's that's something that is going to be in the back of a lot of people's minds here as we go throughout the rest of the season. Let's move on to Carolina's next opponent. That is the Clemson Tigers. They come in with a pedestrian 12-10 and 10 record overall. They are 4-7 and seven in the ACC. P.J. Hall leads them in scoring with 14.9 points per game. They overall put four guys in double-figure scoring. They have seven guys on their roster that shoot 35% or better from behind the three-point line. So it's going to be imperative that Carolina is alert defensively for a team that as a whole shoots 38% from behind the three-point line. They give up the fewest offensive rebounds in the ACC at just 6.1 per game. And in, 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 in league play, they've given up the second fewest made field goals, the fewest made two-point field goals, and the second fewest points. As you could expect, Brad Brownell's group, they're a defensive-minded bunch. That's how they want to play. That's the way they have to play for them to be competitive and, and win games in this league. And with their record being 12-10, and 10, they've got – solid wins on their resume. They've got a nice win over South Carolina. They won at Virginia. They've won at NC State. Um, They lost in Durham to Duke by just two points. They've beaten Florida State, but they're coming off a home loss or a road loss this past weekend at Georgia Tech in a game that actually took this game out of quad one potential for Carolina. down to quad two, but nonetheless, even if this would have been a quad one game, Clemson isn't good. And that's not shocking because they they don't take pride in being a good basketball program because of all the success they've had on the football side of things. But this is a place, this is a venue that historically gives Carolina fits. Is there a venue in the ACC that we don't say that about, though, at this point? I feel like every I think road I, environment, we it, maybe the, there are, are ones that give us more fits than others, but we feel like we don't play as well on the road. PNC Arena doesn't give us many fits under Roy well, Williams. That, first of all, I don't think that even counts as a road environment at this point. Uh, Conti Forum no longer is a, is a tough place to go. When they first entered Well, there's the league, like six people that go to when games. When they first like entered the league, it was a tough place to go for Carolina. But this is a place where Carolina, of course, lost last year in a game where they didn't even score 50 points. Mm. Um, And for Clemson, a team that's not going to make the NCAA tournament, barring some run and winning the ACC tournament, they're looking for some way to salvage what's going to be a lost season. This is usually one of the better crowds they'll draw into the renovated Little John Coliseum. And we've seen Carolina on the road in middle-of-the-road environments get blown out. And even though Clemson isn't as good as the Wake Forests and the Miamis and stuff like that, a lot of cause to or a lot of cause to be concerned heading into tomorrow night's game. I mean, the thing with this team is, is I mean they're they're definitely not good, but how bad really are they? I mean, they have some losses recently that I think really concern you with Boston College and Georgia Tech. Those are probably the ones that even if they put together a stretch here at the end of the season, could keep them out of the tournament. But you're talking about a team that lost by three to St. Bonaventure early in the season, Mm -hmm. lost by seven to West Virginia early in the season. As you mentioned, the one that most people are going to remember most recently is going on the road to Duke and having a chance to beat that team 
only losing by two. But the thing about it is, is they are not a team that can handle playing high-scoring games. They're a team that has to beat you with defensively. Although at this point, if, if you're Carolina, I mean, it's 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 hard to go in confident that you're going to be able to just outshoot people. Early in the season, the way this team was shooting, especially from behind the arc, I would have said, yeah, I'm not really concerned about this game because I think there's a really good chance that Carolina probably puts up 80 pretty easily. At the point that you're at now, especially with the fact that now you know Armando Baycott still having some trouble inside finishing at times. Now, the other night... Have to give credit to Duke and, and Mark Williams, Theo John, those guys that have affected shots all season. But you can tell that that's still one of those lingering issues, whether it's due to the hand injury or whatever. That's been something that's been hanging around for him. So we'll see. This one, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to tell you that because, as you said, Carolina's gone on the road to some of these middling road environments. And they've struggled. How much better is this team than the Louisville team that Carolina had to go to overtime with just a couple weeks ago? I mean, these guys, there are guys on this roster that I think are going to be able to score the ball better than the group that came into that game for Louisville. P.J. Hall, as you mentioned, averaging almost 15 a game so far this season. Uh, Al Amir Dawes, I think, is the one that you've got to be really concerned about because he averages six threes a game and he's knocking down 41% of them. This is a good three-point shooting team. They are currently 19th in the country in three-point shooting at 38% from deep. And that was the thing that allowed Louisville to stay in the game and almost beat Carolina in that game. So uh, the good news is is this does not look like a deep team. They are pretty much going to put eight guys out there just like Carolina is. So you wouldn't expect this to be you know, one of those games where Carolina is going to have trouble competing with the depth that's on the other side. But, yeah, I mean, you have to wonder – with, especially with how much these guys have been playing lately. What was fatigue, you know, maybe a little bit of a factor in that game against Duke? You would hope not, and it shouldn't have been considering that the, the environment and everything like that. But you have to wonder with how many minutes these guys are playing here lately, is that something that's starting to set in as well? Luckily, this game won't challenge you that much with that. Some updated notes between Carolina and Clemson all time. The Heels are 133-23 and 23 against the Tigers. They are 40-18 and 18 on the road, including 29-15 and 15 at Little John Coliseum. That's why it's up there as one of the more tougher places for Carolina to go and win on the road in the league. They've won eight of their last 11 in Little John, but last year, of course, they lost that game up in Clemson 63 63- 250 from the Carolina side of things. They enter with a 16 and 7 record overall, 8 and 4 in the league. Armando Baycott still leads the team in both scoring and rebounding. They still have four guys averaging double figure scoring. They have climbed back up to 15th in the country in three-point shooting percentage. Clemson shoots it at 38%. Carolina just a little bit better at 38.6. 
They are fifth in defensive rebounding uh, in the country per game. They average 29.6 defensive rebounds, and they are the second-highest scoring team in the ACC at 77.6. So you can see the, 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 the style differences that exist between both Carolina and Clemson, and that will really come down to, to really determining this game is which team gets – dictates the tempo and the pace at which this game is played. Last year it was Clemson. If Carolina can get the game the way they want the game to be played, you would think that Carolina would be able to pull out a win on the road. So right now we're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from our sponsor, DraftKings. Then we're going to come back. We'll give you our three keys to the game, and then we'll pick the game before we get out for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings is now live in New York meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and location and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibitive. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text to Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. As for Anthony over on the Heel Tough Blog podcast side of things, and guys, get that extra hol- get that extra money in your pocket. Valentine's Day is just a week away, so if you messed up and buying your wife that special gift for Christmas, get that extra cash, do something nice for her for Valentine's Day. The very first key to the game... Uh, is is what I think everything will be on the road for this team moving forward. It's you got to play with energy, you got to play with effort, and you got to play with toughness. This is the thing about Hubert Davis that I love when I when I get to complain about him uh, because he just makes it easy because he says the, he says these sayings that then I can just throw back up and say, well, you didn't do this, and this is why you got beat. Carolina played with energy, they played with effort, and they played with toughness at Louisville, and look what happened. They won the game, wasn't pretty, and it shouldn't have gone to overtime, but at that point, this team just needed to win a game on the road. That happened. 
They didn't do any of those things on Saturday. I don't care what Hubert Davis will want you to believe about his team on Saturday. They didn't play with energy. They didn't play with effort. And they sure as heck didn't play with any toughness. Clemson is going to want to make the game ugly. They're going to want to play physical. They're going to want to rough it up. You've got to combat that and almost exceed it. Because if you let them dictate the way the game is played, they're going to beat you. Because that's what happened when you've gone on the road. Most of the times this year, you've allowed the other opponent to dictate the way the game's going to be played. Which really brings us back to one guy. And I know basketball is a team sport. And I believe that in my whole heart. But we can't deny the distinction that exists when Caleb Love is engaged and when Caleb Love is not engaged. When he's engaged, Carolina looks like probably the second or third best team in the ACC. When he's not, like he wasn't the other night, Carolina might be the sixth best team in the ACC and a team that doesn't even deserve a right to play in the NCAA tournament. He's bounced back before after bad performances, but and I and we've argued about this. At some point, you can only keep on responding so many times. And they've done a really good job of it to this point, but at some point they're going to give in is, is what it's looking like because you can only fail the way they've failed so many times before, before you quit. And I know Hubert Davis said, and we said in the postgame after Duke was our quote of the game, you can either stay on the mat and whine and complain or blame others or you can get back up the mat like I did and try to get better. I want to believe they want to get better. But that that won't happen until they prove themselves they want to play. They want to be a better basketball team. Well, to your point, how many times can a fighter keep getting up? If you're getting knocked down over and over again, how many different times can you actually keep getting up before? Yeah, eventually it's like, look, I've just taken too many punches. And we've talked about it so many times. This team can't take the punches and respond to them. It doesn't seem like. So yeah, this ain't Rocky, you know. We'll see. I, I mean, this is it's it's going to be key for this team to get out and get off to a fast start, and that comes with bringing the energy out of the gate. And I think one of the other things when you talk about the energy that this team brings, they need to leave behind the nervous energy that they've started a lot of these road games with. This is where a lot of the mistakes have been made are right out of the gate with multiple turnovers. We saw it the other night. Within those first eight minutes of the game, that's where Caleb Love had the majority of his turnovers. He was loose with the ball, out of control. You've got to play with the head on your shoulders in this game. This Clemson team is... I mean, look, they fought hard. They've, you know, they've won a couple of games, as you pointed out, that are solid wins. This is still not a team that's better than you, talent-wise. I don't care what Hubert says in the postgame. This is not going to be, this better not be like Wake Forest. Wake Forest did not have more talent than you. They just beat you. Mm-hmm. This is another game where you have the talent advantage and it needs to go to work. And, yeah, I mean, the last couple of games, you know, it, it seems like they are relying almost solely on either Armando Baycott having a big night or Brady Manick having a big night on the offensive end. These guards need to step up. And that involves some of that toughness that you talked about of getting inside and getting to the lane. The last two games, we've started to see a drop-off 
in the number of free throws that this team is taking, which tells me they are not driving the basket as aggressively yep. as they should be. Now, the other night, part of that was because Duke's guards on the perimeter, we know, are some of the best in the country at stopping the ball. It's it's really tough to drive by those guys. But Carolina started using the screens, and that started to free some guys up to drive the lane. They got to do more of that, and they got to do it earlier in this game. And allow your guys to get to the basket and start to break down this defense. Because, look, we've seen, you know, for the most part this season, your three-point shooting has been there. Sometimes it's only one guy that's kind of carrying you, like the other night with Brady Manick. But that shooting is there. It's just about getting those looks. And the best way to do that is to drive the lane. Really envied Brady Manick because I know how that felt to carry a team. I had a team that didn't have any shooters. Including you. No, I was the shooter. Um, yeah, you were you were the shooter. Shooter McGavin. That's about it. <laughs> the second key, I think, is kind of what you, following what you just said. Carolina's got to run better half-court offense. The, the, what they ran the other night was an offense. That was – I don't know what that was. But they didn't run anything. So it was pointed out to me, and I, I don't, I didn't realize it during the game. But I'm gonna go back and 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 look at, you know, some of the highlights from the game and see. It was pointed out to me that there was a point in the second half where Carolina pretty much ran screen, and then ran a screenplay to the right side every single time of their half court offense. So every time, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, it's a screen, dribble drive to your right. Every single time. So I think part of this is also they need to be more creative mm-hmm. offensively. I agree with that. And, you know, I think early in the year, again, you can rely on your shooters because they were knocking down those tough shots. Thing is, is you can't rely on that throughout the entire season. This is not a team that you should expect should have to come out and knock down four, five, six heavily guarded threes a game. That's just not the way you should be trying to play offensively. Um, you know, I, I know one of the things that was pointed out by, uh, by by one of our coworkers was the fact that you don't see any back cuts anymore. Most guys are very stagnant when the ball is not in their hands. I thought that was a great point. And I've talked about that all season where, you know, we've seen guys kind of just standing around at times. And that was an issue the last two years, too. They have to move without the basketball. If you're not moving without the basketball, how do you expect to get a good look? It's it's not going to happen. So we'll see. I, I, I think, you know, at this point – Getting out and running is probably going to lead to the most success, primarily with R.J. Davis, because the half-court stuff that was working early in the season just isn't. But here's the thing. In order to get out and run, what do you have to do? Force misses, force turnovers. What are they not doing in a lot of these games where they have struggled? Not forcing misses, not forcing turnovers. Yeah, and I mean, it's just... They are who they are as a defensive team. They're not going to force turnovers. And at this point, if, if, if teams are missing shots, it's probably because they're not a good shooting team. 
because they they don't apply enough pressure. They don't put enough resistance on that defensive end of the court to make it tough for opponents to get offense. But a lot of the part of the half court offense is the ball's got to move. And how much the other night was the ball staying isolated on one side of the so court? The, the final possession of the first half was literally RJ coming across half court and basically going iso ball. Everybody else just standing around. And again, that's part of the issue. You cannot just blame, because this is one thing that I've seen a lot of people doing with Caleb Love. Well, Caleb Love's not passing the ball. Well, who's he supposed to pass to if everybody's standing around and watching? You've got to move to try to create an open look. You can't just expect that, well, we're going to run a screen and that's how we're going to get an open look. No, you've got to find other ways. You've got to set back picks. You've got to do all this other stuff. If you don't, those looks aren't going to be there for you. That's a really good point. Um, I just I just feel like you, know, you said creativity. Carolina, when when the ball moves and the players are and there's movement and it's just free flowing and it's look sometimes yes I, I do think Huber Davis needs to kind of walk his team through it and call set plays and all that. But this offense works at its best and the numbers show it when they assist on more than fifty percent of their field goals. The offense is at a different level. The biggest the the probably the second biggest key to the game outside of playing with energy, effort, and toughness is not letting Saturday beat you again. And that's that Duke's going to have to worry with that tonight as they're against Virginia, not allowing the, the emotions to take them to a level where they can't get back up for tonight's game. And for Carolina, it's not staying too down after Saturday. Look, it's disappointing because so much goes into it. But you know what I'm telling my team if I'm Hubert Davis? Well, you didn't show up anyway. You didn't give me any emotion anyway. So it should be a lot easier to get back up and play because you didn't play the other night. It wasn't like in 2012 yeah. where you got beat on a buzzer-beating shot and then you had to turn around four days and play against Virginia. Or Marcus Page's senior year where shot gets blocked on the final play of the game. Three days already had to play against another top-10 Miami team. No, you got blown out. So you should – as much as it – is it should be easy to show up and play with energy, effort, and toughness. You should be ready to come back and play. And if you're not ready to come back and play, then we got to have another discussion because that probably means you lack a com- competitive character. Well, the, the thing about not letting this game beat you twice, those games, yeah, you're right. Those are the types of games where, yeah, you stay up all night thinking about what could we have done different in that scenario that could have won us the game. This game, as you mentioned, it's a large margin. The concern is where is the where are they at mentally after that? Because what you were telling yourself all season and what we were telling ourselves is, well, they're not losing at home. Yeah. They're getting the job done at home. Yep. And right there we thought you, at least it would be a competitive game. It wasn't even that. So where are you at mentally after you got bludgeoned at the place where you were supposed to be unbeatable? Yep. That's the concern. Now, look, last year you had a similar scenario after you lost to Marquette, but you rallied around it and you were able to take care of business the rest of the way at home. Mm -hmm. This game's on the road, but this is still one where mentally you could be like, well, we're not a good team on the road. Now we just lost our edge at home. We're in trouble. The players cannot be thinking that in their mind. You want to have a level of, I wouldn't say desperation, but no, more desperation. But more, more of just you, you want to play with. Oh, Hebert Davis, sense of emergency. 
Not of urgency, emergency. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think Look, the, I think urgency. one. I, I think urgency is probably where you're at. I I think that you got to realize that. Look, if you if you don't take care of business against probably the rest of your opponents, you could maybe lose one more time outside of Duke, and you probably got to play that game close. You're probably not going to the NCAA tournament, so you've got to realize that. I'm not saying that you've got to you, you see this is the problem with saying that they've they've got to play desperate. We've seen the mistakes that this team plays when they're not playing desperate. That's my concern on that. But yeah, there needs to be a, a heightened level of urgency in this game to know, look, we've got to take care of business in these games. These teams are beatable. Look, even with that loss the other night, we're still eight and four in conference. We're better than this team that's on the other side of the court. Don't so tell, we got to get it done. Do not tell it to ESPN's basketball power index because they enter or Carolina enters with just a forty-three point nine percent chance to win the game, meaning Clemson is favored to to beat Carolina at home. Hmm. You said you weren't going to pick them on the road the rest of the season. Then I lied and picked them to beat Louisville because Louisville isn't good. Clemson isn't good. And, you know, for the sake of the pod, we'll pick – I'm going to pick Carolina to win because – Oh, man, dude, I'm liking positive Josh. Because if they lose – And there goes the positivity. If they lose this game and I hit you with that zoom at about 8.30, 8.45 at night – It might be the end of the pod because it'll be a that'll, melt- free, that'll free up some time for me. It'll be a, el- a meltdown of epic proportions. Now I, I'm going to be honest. If they if they lose this game, I don't even know if I if if I if I'll be on the uh, the recap. That might be you solo because I don't know how much more people would need after hearing you for an hour and 15 minutes go on about how the world is actually physically on fire. Yeah. But what <laughs> that was an epic pause there. I cuz I'm kind of thinking about how epic my rant would be if they got beat. But I don't want to I don't want to rant negatively. I know I do it a lot and this guy called me the other day a toxic fan on Twitter by the way. That was funny. I like I, that guy. Which I don't think I am a toxic fan. I think I'm just a passionate fan. What's this guy's handle? I think I need to find his address. Send um, him a little gift. So <laughs> But I do think Carolina's going to win because if if not your season's all but done and I at, at some point like it it was able to click for last year's team. They had to put something together, and they were able to do that. And I did think during the four-game winning streak before Saturday, Carolina did some positive things that can lend you to believe them being a quality, decent basketball team. I think they're going to get back on track. Don't think it's going to be pretty because I don't see them winning a pretty road game the rest of the year. But I do think they, I do think they get the job done against Clemson. So there's a factor that I, I did not mention here that I probably should have mentioned earlier, and that is that Hunter Tyson is not going to play in this game. So that's a that's a tough loss for for Clemson. Now the thing is, is PJ Hall's got that ability to step outside a little bit. 
So what does Carolina do there? Is that going to be Armando on him? Is that going to be Brady Manick? But the area where Carolina should be able to have success in this game is on the glass. Um, without Tyson in there, this is a pretty small team, although David Collins, their 6'4 guard, averages the most rebounds on the team with seven a game. So that's that that's one thing to know. But still, overall, their size is not going to be great. So on the offensive end, you should be able to take advantage down there. Um, and defensively, I don't think that this team is going to expose you as much as some of the other teams that we've talked about. Miami, Wake Forest. See, that's the thing with Wake Forest. That's one of those kind of like middling teams that you were talking about earlier. But the w- reason I think this is different was they had two guards that were really good and 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 Laravia who was pretty good coming in took it to another level. I don't feel like they have these types of guys, those types of guys I should say that they can throw at you. But yeah, still going to be a tough test, I think, on the road. Um, it, it probably means it's going to be a single-digit game, but I like Carolina to get it done. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It'll be be a little bit ugly, but Carolina, I, I think, navigates this one, and hopefully that means that that sort of puts that game behind you um, from the other night. Maybe you can start going on a little bit of a run here uh, as you – look towards that game at the end of the season on the schedule in Cameron. There you go, guys. Both Anthony and myself predicting a Carolina win. You can catch that game tomorrow at 6 p.m. It got moved up from 9 p.m. to 6 p.m., so thank God for that. Primetime slot, baby. And you can catch that game on the ACC Network. Speaking of the ACC Network... They are starting a 10-piece documentary about the history of the ACC tournament. That starts tonight as well. As you could expect, guys, I will have my DVR set to watch that. It will be a great, hopefully a great uh, documentary uh, telling the story of college basketball's greatest conference tournament. So you can catch all that content over there on the ACC Network. But this is going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Before we let you go, do you want to get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Go back, check out all the content from the Duke game. I'll be getting you ready for the Clemson game as well with a preview and a recap podcast up on the site. As for the football side of things, weekly storylines will be up sooner rather than later, I'm hoping. Ray Velasic is back. Hey, that's hey, that's what pushed it back yeah. right there. Big Ray came back. We had to push the storylines back a so minute. So you can check out that content as well as Anthony's keeping you up to date with all the news and nuggets around Carolina football. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Simply search the Four Corners Podcast. We'll pop up. Like the pod. Review the pod. Give me some feedback. Give Anthony some feedback as well. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any basketball podcasts during the season. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I do want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.